quick question for you. Are you a Federal Access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a Federal Access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates as well as our video playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM Federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Michael June here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I have my good friend Jenny Clark on here with me today. For those that don't know Jenny, uh, Jenny, why don't you hop on and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thanks so much, Michael. I'm Jenny Clark with Solvability. I've had that company since 97. I call myself the Oprah of federal contracting because over those many, many years, I've accumulated so much knowledge. And maybe I don't need it all, but I like to share with people what I've seen in the industry and how it could affect them if they're in federal contracting. But my specialty is the financial side. Nobody ever likes to talk about money. And I like to help them feel more comfortable with their numbers. You may be the Oprah, but I, I kind of feel like the you're the Kevin Bacon as well because like everybody's connected to you everybody knows Jenny one way or another and that's what I, I find like she just knows everybody so if you need to know somebody and you can't figure out who knows them Jenny probably knows them and so so I, I really appreciate that about you and so today we are going to talk about the thing nobody likes to talk about and we're going to talk about financial logistics because to me I actually like this topic I love talking about money and things like that and to to me, money is why you got in the business, or it's at least one of the reasons you got into the business, right? You want to make a profit. And so I think the financial logistics side of things is so important in figuring out how you're going to make a profit, how you're going to grow your company, how you're going to price your products and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted you to come on today and maybe talk about you know three or four of the main financial logistics pieces that every company needs. So in, in your mind, what's made be like the number one financial logistics component that a new business in government contracting needs? Well, they need to understand, first of all, money is the machine that keeps everything going. You're trying to convert your energy into income and you've got to have a process for it. But number one is pricing. Mm. A lot of companies will come to me and they say, I don't understand. We're not winning any contracts. And I look at their pricing and I said, well, it might be your pricing, but probably you're going with the wrong customer. So you need to talk to Michael. Yeah, yeah. And so when it comes to pricing, what do you find is the the main challenge for most people when trying to figure out their pricing? Uh, the number one is when they first started their company, they asked a friend and their friend sent them a spreadsheet that they used to work with at another company. And so they've been using that same spreadsheet for almost five years with no real understanding of the math of it. Mm. And then they wonder why they're not making any money. And it's basically because the formula that you've been using is wrong for your company because you're no longer at that point anymore. You're no longer at that young startup stage. You have to have some analysis to figure out what you're doing and where your value is so you can price the people that you want. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, 
you're a commodity just like everybody else. And gee, what's the point of that? Right. How often do you think a business needs to review their pricing strategy? Oh, probably every two or three years because it takes two or three years to get any momentum in the government market. And every time you win a new a new big contract, you almost like you reset. You're operating at a different level. You've got more people. And all the math of, of how you're financing a company has changed. And it's the same thing um, with anything. You're just doing more volume. Mm-hmm. When you're at more volume and you're in a more competitive situation, you've got to change things around to get to the next level. And that's mm-hmm. what people find pretty frustrating. You've also got the point where when it started out, maybe the owner of the company was doing all the pricing. And then when they started hiring people to do the pricing, that's great. But so many times what I find out is that they're just using the wrong methodology and they're making money in some areas, but losing money in a lot of areas. And you yeah. just don't want to set yourself up. You want to know where your money's coming from and where is it, where it's going. Yeah. And, and I find a lot of people that say, well, I've always heard that you just need some sort of formula. So I need my, my base price times 1.5 or 1.3 or 1.7 like there's a range and and they say so I just kind of picked a range and now that's just what we've been using for a long time like well why did you pick the range and they're like I don't know I I just what I told I I heard you needed to pick a range (laughs) and so I picked it instead of calculating it using a process and that's the thing that I always throw them over to you and say hey I, I hate doing this because you know there's so many little factors i know you like doing it and this is just an important piece of this to figure out what is your multiple you know just because there's a range of 1.3 to 1.7 doesn't mean you should pick something in the middle to me one of the big pieces of of figuring out the pricing is how can i get the maximum amount of profit out of this and win the contract and you know so you being able to look at all that stuff is really important any any final thoughts on number one here on pricing? On pricing, you're right. People do tend to pick a number. And 1.3, in my opinion, is too low Mm. because you've got usually about 30% in fringe benefits alone for payroll taxes, 10%, lease 10%, and then later on as you add benefits. So 1.3 is too low. 1.7, I'm more happy with because that allows you some room for growth. And here's the deal. The pricing is based up on what does it cost you to hire the employee? What does it cost you to provide benefits? Then you've got to have some amount of money in there to cover the fact that you've got to go bid this work. You've got to have recruiting costs. You've got to have um, the cost of your accounting software. The one that gets me the most is the cost of products like GovWin and other things just to go out and get the work. Yeah. So you might make money early on, but you're not going to grow unless you start to understand what makes up your cost. And what I like to do with people is say, let me work with you, do an analysis, figure out what it really is so you can manage to that. Because you can manage to that over a period of time. You'll make money, you'll get more work, you'll be steady and you'll grow. And you and I have a couple companies in common, clients in common, that are like, oh my gosh, now I get it. Yeah. Now we're making profit. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I think a lot of companies take a look at what their hard cost is. So, hey, here's my labor cost on this. And they don't think about all those other components that create your cost, and whether it's product cost or a labor type of thing. I know services is such a big market these days, but even on product costs, there's a lot more than just, hey, what was the price of the product? Now I'm going to put a markup on it and, and you know, that's my multiple or whatever it is. And so there's 
there's a lot that goes into it. And I think those are the areas that people totally space out on. Um, You and I recently talked with a couple of clients on SCA rates because they were like, what is that? How does that apply? Didn't know that was part of this at all. And they hadn't factored that into their pricing. And so while we're still on pricing, why don't you touch on SCA rates for a moment? Oh, that's a really good example, Michael. Most of the time when I hire somebody and they're a professional database person, and they make 80 bucks an hour or something like that, I'll pay them leave and payroll taxes and some benefits. Their fringe rate might be 20%. But when you have service contract act employees, their pay rates are lower, say Mm -hmm. um, 18 to 30 bucks an hour. So your benefits already are bigger as a percentage. But the second part about it is with SEA contracts, you have to give them something called cash in lieu of benefits or an equivalency. And that means you have to pay them say four to five bucks an hour just in benefits. So mathematically, it comes up with a higher percentage. So where your fringe rate on Joe the engineer might be 25% when you have Service Contract Act employees, because of that statutory $4.55 or whatever it is, somewhere around there, your fringe rate could be 40, 50%. Mm. And so what people don't understand is they want to grow in that. They actually need to have a set of rates for their professional staff and a different set of rates for when they're bidding Service Contract Act. There's another one you ought to talk about is unions. Collective bargaining agreements, they're usually required. And so I've got a company I'm working with right now that was bidding this average rate. I'm like, no wonder you're losing money. Mm. These people cost more and those people cost more. Let's build you a model so you know. And then they start making money. Yeah. And I I think all that stuff is fascinating. And, And it's one of those things where a tiny mistake anywhere in that process and you're losing money. You're you're literally losing money. And that's one of those things where I just want to make sure contractors are educated on all these little financial things. Because if you start out and you're in IT services or construction or you know, name the industry, you're so focused on learning the industry and learning about the customers. And now you've got to layer in learning the financial side of this stuff. There's so much to learn. And that's why we really need an expert like yourself to come in, take a look at that stuff and and say, now you have a model. Now that you have a model, you can use this over and over again, like you said, for the next two to three years. Then we can assess your model, see what's going on, and uh, and make some changes. Well, you know what just popped into my head? Flipping houses. Have you ever watched those shows where they come in and they say, well, here's what you can do. Oh my gosh, you've ruined this. You put the garage where I told you not to. Things like that. Yeah. And, and you just see the expert walk in and talk to him about what the options are and explain why. Now, it's still up to the person to figure right. out what they want to do, but it's the same thing. Flipping a house in L.A. is a lot different from flipping a house in lower Alabama. That's right. And that- you need to know what the rates are, what the pricing is. Are you going to do a lot of the work yourself? Or are you going to have somebody else to do it? And it's the same thing in government contracting, just like any other business. As you get better at it, you got to refine how you look at it. Yeah, no, that's a really good example. And I think a lot of people, they use the same model regardless of whether they are in California or Alabama. And that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> so yeah, you know, being able to, to, to understand how you adjust that model geographically, how you adjust it based on the type of labor that you have, all of those things factor into, are you making a nice margin? Are you barely skating by? Are you in a situation where one mistake on the job and now you lose money? Because I've seen that so many times where people haven't factored something in and now they're like, like, how could I 
can I move forward with this? I've got to go tell the, the government they've got to pay us more. And I'm like, well, you're under contract. You know, you've signed a contract at this point and now you've got yourself in a really bad situation. So if we can figure it out beforehand, that's going to be a big difference. So, so we've, we've talked kind of the gamut on pricing. What do you think is like the next big thing when it comes to financial logistics? Financial logistics, the next big thing is a subset of pricing called indirect rate management. So what is that? When you come up with your price, you know, they came up with, let's just say 1.7. Well, that's actually broken down into how much does it cost you to run the company? That's general administrative cost or corporate cost. How much does it cost for benefits? And in the middle between that is this big generic pool of things called overhead. So if you got if you if you're just hiring people and you don't have to have a recruiter and you don't have to have all these other costs, your indirect rates are going to be manageable. What you want to do is figure out what does it really cost to run the business. And what's always funny to me is when people start going after new work and realize, oh my gosh, now we have to do cybersecurity stuff. Now we have to have background checks. Now we have these are all extra costs. Who's going to pay them? Right. Well, if you don't if you don't know what those costs are and you don't have the information so you factor it into your pricing, you're going to lose money. The biggest thing, though, that people get confused of is, is this overhead or is this GNA? And that's something that I always need to sit down and explain to them about what it is, because otherwise what you'll find is you've got a lot of people working for the company that aren't productive. They're costing Mm. you money, but you can't really prove it. And nobody wants to go over to Bill and say, Bill, when we hired you, you were working on this contract, you were bringing in, you know, $100 an hour on that contract and we were paying you 50. Everybody was happy. Well, some how you lost that contract and you've been sitting here ever since and we didn't have the nerve to come and have a conversation with you about we'd love it if you left that's a hard conversation to have i know but that's what i like to do is go out work with people kind of create a map and it's up to them what they want to do with that information but a lot of times they'll see that and they'll go you know he's been talking about retiring why don't we come up with a deal for him and and um, make all that work. Yeah. So, you know, it's all about figuring out where are you making money? Where are you losing money? And do you want to do anything? Because a lot of times when that contract ends, as long as you make a better decision going forward for how you treat the follow on, you're in great shape. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it really is about the information, you know, having the information so you can make decisions, which one of the things we're, we're kind of talking around here is the accounting system that it all falls under. Because I think when you, you know, you ask the question, is this GNA? Is this overhead? And how do you manage that in your books? You know, and, and what books do you use? Because I know a lot of people come to me and say, can I use QuickBooks? Do I need desktop? Do I need online? Do I need this? Do I need that? Do I need the big, accounting system for what I'm doing? And my answer is always, well, you should probably ask Jenny. (laughs) That's that's always my answer. Yeah, well, that is a great question. And it does come up a lot of times. People can use QuickBooks, but you've got to set it up a certain way. And personally, I won't work with anybody that's just using QuickBooks online. It's too primitive. Mm. I want you to know that one of the clients you sent me, I've been working with them. And now that we're working together, what they realized was that their employees were not filling out the customer's timesheets. So they weren't getting paid by their Mm. customer, but they've been paying the employees all along. Those are the kind of things that I usually find because I know what to look for and I start asking questions. So if you don't have an accounting system that keeps track of this, you've got to do daily timesheets. You've got to figure out where, how you're invoicing your customer. You have to be able to show how much your customer authorized you to spend and where you are on the contract. All of those things are super important. 
And if you don't set them up, then you're not going to make any money. So in this case, what we discovered is, I don't know, it was almost $20,000 worth of unbilled work. Wow. That it's like, hey, that well pays for what you're paying me. So right. let me find you some more stuff because I know it's out there. Wow, that's awesome. But, uh, uh, the other thing about it is when companies get started, they can start with QuickBooks if they have somebody to guide them through that process, which is one of the things that I do. Later on, they can move up and there's other software like Uninet or Delta Cost Point, but those are big investments. And what I find yeah. people do is they'll they'll decide to go ahead and go to one of these big accounting systems because they say, well, it's time for us to get there. And like, well, you guys were messed up before now you've really invested a lot of money and you weren't ready. Right. And I like to get them to where they are ready for it. The other part about it, and people never believe me on this, there is no such thing as an integrated accounting system for government contractors. You can get mm. part of the way there, but they'll always look and say, well, we use this for payroll. We use this for timesheets. We use this for accounting system. Those things have to tie together. And unless you're working with somebody that really understands accounting software and how it works, You've been sold something by an accounting software company that said, oh, yes, we are fully integrated. Well, they didn't mean to lie, but it's going to cost you a lot of money to get those things to tie together. Well, and it's very disappointing because, you know, as a, as a small company, you're trying to learn your way. But there are times when you do have to have an outside person to help you with it. You know, I know personally that I've spent a lot of time trying to learn website marketing. That's not really what I'm good at. So that's why I'm teamed up with you, Michael, because as a coach, you take care of that for me. So you got to yeah. find your teammates. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important and, and find your experts because, you know, like you said, with the integration stuff, I remember in uh, one of the companies I worked in years ago, we were trying to put some new software in and you, you will probably appreciate this because you have an accounting background. We were using an AS400. Are you familiar with that thing? Oh, yeah. I'm not talking 30 years ago. This wasn't 30 years ago. This was like in 2010, this one client I had. That's what their accounting software was on. Right. And the dad was from the 70s. Dad was like, no way I'm ever changing this thing. But we wanted to update other things in that company. And it was just, there was no way to integrate it. There was no way to integrate mm -hmm. with the system. Because I think the last software update was like 1984. <laughs> Right? Oh, yeah. And we're running this thing in 2010 or whatever. And so sometimes you just, there's nothing you can do. The other thing I want to mention here real quick is I have run across a lot of companies. I think this, it may blow you away. It may not. A lot of companies that don't have any sort of accounting software. They don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, well, hey, how much do you have in this, this, or this? And they're like, I don't know. And I was sitting with a guy, this was a few years ago. And I said, well, how much do you have in accounts receivable right now? Because he was like, man, money's tight. Money's really tight. And I don't understand why money's so tight because Mike, man, we're selling like crazy. He's like, hey, we're selling new projects every single week. I don't know why money's so tight. So I said, hey, you know, we, we start going through the list and I said, well, tell me what's in your account receivables. And he starts telling me and I said, well, where's your account receivables? And he said, it's in my head. Oh my gosh. He says, so 15 minutes in, you'll appreciate this. We had discovered $975,000 in accounts receivable in his head in about 15 minutes. So I said, hey, your project the rest of this week is to find out what else is in accounts receivable and then we're going to start collecting. This guy had a million and a half in accounts receivable and most of it was more than 90 days out because he hadn't sent an invoice. Hadn't even sent an invoice. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, how how is this possible? <laughs> 
I was, you know, but you know that that kind of stuff happens when you don't have a system, you don't have a process, and now you wonder why your bank account is empty all the time because you're running this stuff out of your head or out of a one of those little bitty pocket size flip notebooks, right? And yeah. nobody on the team really has any clue what's going on, and this kind of stuff happens all the time. So what what's another one? I, I know we've got time for at least one more major financial logistics point here. Well, when you were talking about the thing I was go- going through my head is, hey, how do you know what the con- what contracts you received, how much money was authorized, and how you're going to bill it? That's the one thing about government contracting mm. that is super complicated. You have to have understand you're going to have contract value, you're going to have line items, you might have labor categories with specific bill rates. You've got to have a fairly sophisticated system to keep track of which employees have to be billed out at which amount. And whenever people say, could you find me a DCA compliant bookkeeper. This is not a bookkeeping Mm. task. This is cost accounting. And if you're serious about growing in government contracting, you really can't run it off of Excel or any of those things. And when people argue with that, for me, it's like, if this is the way you want to run it, there's nothing I can really do to help you. Right. And, and, you know, I think everybody thinks it seems like it's going to be pretty easy to do, but it's really not. You've got to have a process. It's You've got to have a way that people fill out their time, you pay the employees and you make sure that you know how you're billing your customer. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing about it is companies can grow really fast and overnight they might go from three contracts to 11. Well, you can't shift and bring somebody in to help you when everything's in your head. Yeah, so it's about right. building processes and understanding it. Right. Which is, you know, you you mentioned DCAA. I think a lot of people come to us and say, hey, can you help me get this DCAA compliant system? Again, I say, yes, Jenny can help you with that. And I think people are very... Uh, unaware of how all of that works. Can you give us the the one over the world real quick on DCAA? Oh, absolutely. It's Defense Contract Audit Agency. So large primes will send you their representation certifications and ask, do you have a DCAA compliant system? And you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah. So um, DCAA specifies the rules for accounting for federal contracting, and most of the other federal agencies follow their rules, although not everyone. But it's pretty straightforward accounting processes like accrual accounting. You have to identify your direct cost, indirect cost, unallowable. You have to do daily timesheets. And so when I talk to people about it, they'll usually be using QuickBooks. They'll be doing payroll, all of those things. What they're missing is some of the nuances that are required for federal contracting. Mm -hmm. And when they can't do that, they're also pricing wrong. So I like to to start with them by saying, here's what it needs to look like and how are we going to get there? Because it's no quick fix to get there. I can't go in and just wave a magic wand and make it work because they've got to change a lot of their practices. And they usually have to have somebody in the accounting department that I have mentored and trained that understands how to do it. Because until they're serious about that, they're not going to be able to get there. Not every company needs to be DCA compliant, but if you're not, your pricing method is probably also incorrect because I'll never be able to figure out what your cost is. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. And I think we did a a podcast on demystifying DCAA. So if people want to learn more about that, they can go listen to that podcast. But, you know, this has all been really good. There's so much about the finance side. And I think the one takeaway that I would like everybody to have from this is this stuff is not hard. You just don't know it. And that's why experts like Jenny 
exist. And so if you're struggling with anything financial logistics related, reach out to us. We'll get you set up to talk with Jenny and she can come in, take a look at everything going on. And and like you said, build a roadmap to help people fix all that stuff. So, so thank you for coming on today. I don't know if you have a final point for folks. I think the main thing is I would love for them to go to your website and check out my page and see what, what I've got on there. But the main thing that I see is whenever you're in federal contracting, you need a team. Yeah. Sometimes you need me for a little bit. Sometimes you need somebody that's going to help you more with going after the work. And that's really what RPM has solved is with federal access program. There's a lot of information out there that will help. But the biggest part about it is when they when people have a question, they can actually talk to somebody yeah. that's been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah. Having the right team is so important and getting the right information, especially in a day and age where everybody's got an opinion. And I always say, well, let's go and talk to people who've actually done it instead of people people who know about it, familiar with the term, but they haven't done the work. Let's get some people in here that have actually done this and they can give you some good advice. So so thanks for coming on and talking about all this. It's been really helpful as usual. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Jenny, all her information is are in the description of this podcast and everybody knows how to reach me. So you can always reach out to me and I'll get you set up with Jenny. So thanks again, Jenny. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.